Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education for the scam that it is. I am Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our children, we're losing an entire generation. Today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects, undaunted by political correctness. The topic today is very simple. There's no historical precedent to go back on, no story from way back when. But what I want to communicate to you today is the idea of expectations or lack thereof. And what we're going to talk about is how this not only affects the students growing up and now that the state effectively teaches them, uh, but how it's going to affect our workforce and more importantly our workplace tomorrow. And so this is part of the crime of the century. So today I wanted to go back more on I guess what would be the public school system and not so much higher education although I think we'll bring it back to higher education towards the end um, but might as well go in chronological order here I, I think a big issue <clears throat> and I was reading there was a uh, news article in which uh, a teacher was explaining why they quit teaching at, the, at public school and part of this is what kind of spurned this topic. Um, they didn't have enough funding, so they would have to buy a lot of, the, the teacher would, they would have to buy a lot of school supplies or um, books with their own money. And obviously they're probably only making 30 or 40 grand at best. And a lot of the kids would leave the books destroyed, the classroom a mess, like any, I think this is a first grade teacher, maybe a, a third grade elementary school regardless. And um, books and classroom objects, some of them paid for by the state, but some by out of pocket by this teacher, were left in ruin. And uh, she, he or she, I, I, I suppose gender wasn't specified here, um, eventually, you know, had it and would, talk to students about it and the students wouldn't would talk back and they wouldn't care and um, so she rightly so and I think was in her responsibility uh, or in her duties as a teacher um, failed the the students or the offending students um, she they said that they had called the parents multiple times um, said you know you're Little Billy isn't doing what I've asked him to. I'm going to fail him. And so naturally they said they got phone calls from about five or six irate parents. Well, and why'd you fail my kid? And, and little Billy can't, couldn't have done all those things. And he's a good kid and this and that. And so the, the teacher um, actually got a, cool, uh, a call down from uh the administration, the principal or uh, vice principal, whichever one it was, uh, again, not specified, um, where rather than supporting the teacher, the uh, administrator admonished the teacher and said, you know, we've got all these parents that are mad at us, you know, why'd you fail these kids and this and that. And the, this isn't helping anybody. I mean, why? When you look at it, why, I mean, why are, are teenagers and, and 
younger people so distraught with with authority and they uh, want to do their own thing and uh, they're making up genders and doing all this stuff and the idea I suppose is starts at a very young age where we allow kids and we allow those who have not had life experience to make their own decisions now if we tell a kid the burner's hot and they still put their hand on it and they burn their hand maybe that's still part of life and the, and the kid now understands but the parent who goes right ahead and, and, and simply uh, tells the kid it's okay and, and just puts ice on it but doesn't remind the kid that you know I told you that was hot and you didn't listen to me and look what happened there's no reinforcement in that scenario um, we have taken the idea of, of school particularly public education I think I think a lot of the private schools are still okay but those are the average American can afford that I mean they can't afford college you can't afford private schools very few could afford both so it's left up to and what I meant in the intro by saying you know the state runs teachers our kids because you're in school for eight hours a day and not only are you not really learning anything it's like a daycare service for eight hours but then you go home and if your parents are still working or working two jobs um, there's no one to raise you at home and it's it's just you and a lot of I think what we're seeing is is the now I'm, I would assume that this has been going on since about the 90s it wasn't so bad when I was uh, growing up but it was it was there looking back on it it was certainly there and um, now watching a lot of the effects of that people who are a bit younger than me um, or around the same age have real issues with authority because as a child nobody could tell them otherwise and parents would bend to their will and the teachers were forced to and um, all of that behavior is is reinforced too I mean you look at children's programming that's not on uh, you know PBS or uh, you know any anything like that and I'm not advocating either for a public broadcasting station in general I think that's a little bit worrisome to have any sort of government entity own a network but that's another topic for another day as we'd say in Massachusetts uh, we'll drive off that bridge when we get to it um, it's a Ted Kennedy joke if you didn't pick it up on that um, but the idea that our children are, are raised by the state is not something that's new otherwise so I guess I guess I did lie to you in the intro there's some historical precedent for uh, precedent for this um, and it's something that was warned about in 1984 and in some general conspiracy books so again I'm not a abiding by those but it is a little eerie to see those playing out where the state really forces or, or raises kids I mean we have now based on the importance that we all put on education um, 
you know, we have entire, I mean, we believe now that if you don't go to school, you can't do anything. And if you, um, you know, your, your public education is the most important thing um, that you can get. And if it's a daycare service that essentially just teaches you how to be entitled and spoiled, what good is that? You know, the average student uh, costs a taxpayer about one to two hundred thousand dollars over their education period, which for eighteen years is relatively low. But regardless, um, I don't trust bureaucrats with money, and I don't trust them to do the right thing with what I've rightfully earned, a la taxes, and. I think, too, what we've been able to see with the Trump presidency is, I don't, I don't know if he's doing it consciously or it just happened because nobody expected him to win, but all of the bias and all of the contributing factors to this entitlement um, era that we're in, this phase that we're in with our, our young people, um, a lot of that has revealed that it's it's a place to be indoctrinated and not educated and there is a difference between the two um, you know whether it's the uh, teachers who are doing spelling bees in which case or, you know every word that's used in a sentence is some sort of anti-trump uh, uh, phrase and and not not that that's gonna start a, a revolution or something you know a spelling bee but it, it's the idea that every day for 18 years or nearly every day minus a summer for 18 years you're going to go to a place where these people that you as a child look up to in the in the beginning as a, as a teacher and as somebody of authority and you'll listen to what they're saying so you go and you listen to their political views then you come home and maybe your parents are watching CNN or MSNBC or heck maybe even they're watching Fox and the idea of one side or the other, the, the indoctrination, the, that, that, that divide that we're seeing on each other's side, that's reinforced. And you know, mo I'm sure most of my friends agree with me politically, and I'm sure most of your friends agree with you politically. While I do, I don't particularly like to associate with someone of another uh, political side. So as a parent, I don't think we're really exposing our children to the other side anyways. And I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, but you grow up not hearing really any other side and to think that another human being could think different, differently than you is foreign. It's alien at this point. And I think, too, what that contributes to is... Um, you know, two things before I want to move on to, to higher education. And I think one of, if not the most important aspects, is the removal of competition. And we seem to be just okay with that. Uh, my business coach is a, a man my, named Michael Burt, who's in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Great guy, uh, has really helped me accelerate in what I do and, and why I do it. Um, but he was talking about he has a five-year-old daughter and he was talking about how uh, 
she she's in gymnastics and she got a medal and she came up to him and you know told him you know dad I got a medal and all that and as a kid you know you got a medal you did something you got a reward it's it's basic psychology obviously you know we 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 reward our our children but um, you know coach or, or, or you know Michael Bird he he asked his daughter why why'd you get it did you do something extraordinary did you place first or did you just show up and that's not on him but isn't that kind of sad that that's what we've gotten to we have to question did I get this because I showed up now as a kid you wouldn't know the difference I, I mean I certainly remember we, we weren't even keeping score in our soccer and little league games and uh, heck the kid who played t-ball like Millhouse I don't know if you remember that old uh, Simpsons clip but uh, you know, he couldn't even hit the ball off the tee. He was striking out in, in, in t-ball. Uh, they would get a medal. And so who cares if, you know, I hit an inside the park uh, a home run if, um, you know, the same guy, this, the kid who, who couldn't even get to first base in t-ball is getting the same medal as I did. And what that does is not elevate the, we like to think that it would elevate the, the younger and we like to think that it would it would make the younger person feel better about themselves, or the 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 person who is not nearly as good as you are. We'd like to think that that makes them feel better and that they're, they're that they can do it. Well, to me, that says, well, why work? I'm going to get the same medal as this guy. I'm not going to get any special recognition. It's a lot harder to be successful. So why be successful? Why not be content with average or below average? Now, I, I'm sure you can see some of the political ramifications here, and that's not something I want to get into because I do want to stay focused on the removal of competition. You know, we have, there's a school, I believe, in North Carolina, the story came out in 2014, that they're going to remove the valedictorian um, honors. Um, and... I forget the name of the second one, but uh, because they didn't want a student to feel like, you know, why didn't I get that? Because I, you know, I existed too. <laughs> that's, that's what it came down to. Is is they didn't want to feel have a student feel bad because they didn't win an award or or something like that. But no wonder people feel entitled. You show up and you get a reward, and you don't have to try and you're handed things and then you get out into the real world you get into the business world and the only way you make an income uh, is by providing value to either a corporation or to somebody else it's very simple and the people who provide a lot of value get a lot of money and the people who provide little or no value get little or no money and we think that's terrible. Oh, Kevin, why are you saying people don't have any value and everybody has intrinsic value and this or that? Well, I mean, if I'm living in the woods trying to be some sort of hippie, you know, pretending that I'm a Native American or, or whatever you want to call it, that's not valuable to a person. That's not valuable to a corporation. That's not valuable to society at large. So, yeah, you're not getting any reward for that. Now the guy who is who owns four or five apartment buildings, which people live in, and who uh, you know owns different corporations that that employ hundreds of thousands of people, he should be making more than the person who's living in the woods, because he's bringing so much more value to society at large. Um, 
the only place where this, this theory goes off the rails is with politicians because they don't offer a whole lot of value and they get paid. But again, another topic for another day. We'll drive off that bridge when we get to it. But I want to wrap up when we get into college. Think about it. Let's kind of go back. So we start in the first and third grades where it's placation and kids can do no wrong and there's no there's no bad student. There's no bad action. And then you get up to middle school, junior high, all of that stuff, and uh, you start, you know, you, you can't lose. You get rewards for showing up. And then, not even on time, just showing up, mind you. And then, <clears throat> by the time we get into high school, uh, there's no competition. There's no reason to be the best student. There's no reason to, to add value to anything. There's, there's just show up and someone will give you an award or no one will get an award and you didn't do any better or worse um, than the person who, who won uh, or who, who did stay up late and got good grades or the person who did uh, stay in the, in, in the gym and, and, and practice sports. Then you get to college and the people who, the professors who then go back to these students and teach them how, you know, rather than one, they, I guess they take this mentality and multiply it exponentially. Because a lot of the professors never went through a hardship, you know, they just went through school and they never questioned anything and they went through uh, college and they got their doctorate and now they're teaching and now they're teaching nothing to people who are paying 50 grand for nothing on average 50 grand sometimes it's a lot more and this isn't all of them but this is you know your feminist basket weavings and your uh, you know unless you're gonna be some sort of writer and even a lot of you know them don't do well you're in English majors heck I'll throw myself in there history major uh, that <laughs> I, I'm not doing very much with it other than occasionally being able to make a point based off of some sort of historical fact but that's not gonna pay the bills so you start to learn about all the unimportant things and rather than creating value for someone it's no somebody at the top who has created value should respect me simply because I exist because authority figures throughout your public education have been forced to placate you they've been forced to show you all sorts of respect and give you all sorts of awards and accolades for nothing because we wouldn't want the parents mad we wouldn't want the child to feel like he's not good enough. Um, and so you get into the workforce, and the, the last point I, I want to make, and one of the ideas that I uh, brought up in the intro, you get into the workforce, and now you got somebody above you who's making more, somebody who's been there for 10 years who may be in the same position as you, but is making more, and then there's you who just started. Now think about it, you've been through all your public education and all of your collision years and you've been getting awards because, you know, I showed up and I breathed today so I get, you know, uh, an award and I get, you know, extra candy because I can spell the word cat. And then you get to your work, your workplace and somebody's asking you to, you know, put numbers in an Excel spreadsheet and you're going to make you know, a little bit above minimum wage to, to do that, and they're asking you to climb through the ranks, providing more and more value to make more and more money. 
and why why would I do that? All all throughout here, I've been you know getting all sorts of accolades and candies and uh, I don't know what they give kids today, but whatever that 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 reward is, you've been getting it for nothing, and now you know you you get to your workplace, and and there was one article in the Chicago Tribune that said uh, an employer said you know we have he mentioned millennials, and I suppose that they are. We have these these kids who would rather duck out of work for a 3 p.m. yoga class than sit there and work. And the only where the only way you can get ahead and provide more value for someone is to create more value. In a workplace, it might be staying longer, it might be getting better at the work that you turn in. Um, providing insight into problems that that is that are occurring that creates value and if you are a valuable person naturally you're going to move up but if you just show up and expect to be given everything without providing the value needed you're going to get fired <laughs> or or you're going to be working a job that you know the bar is so low that you essentially you show up and you stumble over it and that's what you did for the day um, and that's maybe why we have more and more people on on minimum wage regardless of the market but it's it's easy to do one of those jobs you show up you do what they tell you to do they give you you know minimum wage because it's minimum value and th that's 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 your life but what we've done is removed the incentive to strive. We've removed the ability of the student to want more and that drive, that it factor, is almost looked down upon because if they do well and they, they are successful, then all the people who weren't successful said, we want some of your success. And how much is determined by a bureaucrat and how much is determined by the public at partly and of the public at large. Um, you hear a lot of this fair share. Well, the bottom fifty percent hardly pay a tax. Most of them get a refund on it. I don't understand what uh, fair share would would seem like a little bit more equal when that. But you see where this mentality starts way way back when. So if we're gonna fix that. And this is what I want to wrap up with and end on today. If we're going to fix that, if we're going to change how our workforces and our workplace is going to look, then we need to get back to what was the American work ethic before public education became the only education. And this is why I believe it's part of the crime of the century. I'll see you on the next Crime of the Century podcast.